This is the Amazing Race Canada 4 preview from Reality TV Warriors UR Team Number Podcast. These previews are a rite of passage for Amazing Race teams. Any jokes made during this show are purely that, jokes, and are based on the limited information that we have about each and every team. We have and will change opinions on teams as the season goes by, so please do not immediately think that we have written teams off already purely from the jokes that we may make. With that being said, please enjoy our season preview for Amazing Race Canada 4. Welcome to this very last minute preview episode of Amazing Race Canada 4 of the UR Team Number Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me for our 10th Amazing Race season is my Canadian friend who knows that a mermaid isn't an animal, Logan Saunders. Morning. This is our 10th Amazing Race season that we are covering. It's double digits. Jeez. 10 seasons of podcasting and 22 seasons of me blogging. It's getting a bit much. <laughs> Plus on top of that we have the whole funniest complaints and uh, your misguided opinions that you released last week. Oh, my! you mean my written cast assessment? That's what I said, wasn't it? Yes. As you've been trumpeting on social media for the past three weeks, I have been away. I've uh, literally about an hour ago got back from cruising around Eastern Europe. So uh, it's a little bit last minute, this preview. With a little bit of luck, I will get it out before the end of the day. Well, I will, because I've got bags of time, but unless you talk too much. Very well. I'll just stay completely silent as you analyze the whole cast, especially when I've already written all about them. Otherwise, I'd probably just be repeating the same jokes over and over. I think you can come up with some new jokes. I'm sure I will, and and I'm sure there'll be great reactions to it. Lord knows we've been aiming for that for uh, months now, Logan. So our first team was first one revealed, which is Joel and Ashley, who are a stepfather and stepdaughter. From the Enoch Cree Nation, Alberta. I'm saying that right, Anna. I think so, yes. I'm sure you'll be forgiven if there, if you slightly mispronounced it. Yeah, please don't kill me, Wayne. Yes, Wayne will be after you. We're getting them out of the way straight away so Wayne doesn't uh, hurt us. Seems as though, even when they were the first team announced, Wayne was like, they're my favorite team ever. Not the case for a lot of the casual fans online, because Ashley was victorious in Mrs. Universe. So there's a lot of people who view her as a celebrity, even though I know nobody who follows Mrs. Universe, and I have no idea who this Ashley Colleen Bull person is. But yet they think, oh, she's a celebrity, and that's the only reason she was cast. So there's already a polarizing opinion on her. There are a few teams that I will be saying this sort of thing about. But pageant girls tend to have quite a good legacy in Amazing Race. They do. It's an extremely competitive field, and what's surprising with Ashley, too, is that unlike other pageant people, she is very outspoken politically. Like, she's really, she really puts herself out there, unlike uh, 
almost any other female racer who's who's from the patching world, or or, or just female racers in general. You don't really associate them with the strong political advocacy. No, I mean, if you look back at the US's history of pageant girls, we've had Katie, for example, we've had Mallory, Brooke and Claire, I think, were both pageant girls. I know Brooke definitely was. I think Claire was involved in some sort of pageant. Dustin and Candace. Um, it's basically a staple of every Amazing Race season. There is at least one girl from a pageant world. And she seems like she's going to be at least a little bit fun. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer her I, to be outspoken than sort of platonic towards everyone. Yes, and it's going to be interesting too if there's someone in the cast who has a completely different contrast in opinion uh, than her. Then then we're going to see some new rivalries uh, start to form. But Canadians are also nice. They're not allowed to fight with each other. Yeah, Pierre and Michelle prove that it's not always the case. <laughs> oh, Pierre and Michelle. We'll be getting to them later. Uh, so... Joel and Ashley are both First Nations as well. They are the first complete First Nations team, and I say complete because I know you're going to pull me up if I don't, thanks to Hamilton and Michaela. And as you said, she's the current Miss Universe, and he is an auto mechanic. And back to our history from last year, can you remember CTV's euphemism game? When CTV write their little blurb about the team, they always put in some odd adjectives. Mm -hmm. And Joel and Ashley's is fun-loving. I can't remember what that is a euphemism for. I know stuff like spunky and fiery and feisty and things are usually quite loud, for example. But, um, yeah, fun-loving is one of those weird euphemism words. Yeah, it's not one you typically see in most bios. It's like when they were describing Brent and Sean last year and basically convincing us to like them. Yes, when they're like, Brent and Sean are the greatest people ever, the other 11 teams, don't waste your time on them, just pay attention to Brent and Sean. That's exactly what the bio was written for, Brent and Sean last year, saying they're, they're the biggest underdogs in the world of underdogs that we've ever seen. And weirdly, Gino and Jesse's words were things like assholes and misguided. <laughs> Oh, that was about three. That was about eight <laughs> minutes before we got into a Gino and Jesse remark. A oh, new record. You had to expect a Gino and Jesse remark because there's one team I'm going to compare to them fairly soon. Um, and their motto is "If you're not first, you're last," which is completely untrue in the Amazing Race, except for the final round. Because if you're not last, you're first. That's pretty much how it goes for you know the first eleven legs. So they don't have, they don't really have a grasp on uh, how the Amazing Race works round to round, especially in Amazing Race Canada, where if you're not last, then you all end up on the same flight, and you're all first anyway. You're all in a tie for first, actually. And they obviously watch a lot of scrubs because their favorite animal for both of them is the eagle. I've only seen the first season of Scrubs. I know we're not on webcam, Logan, but you're just getting a death stare now. That is your mission. It's on, it just got on Netflix. I watched the Watch first it. season. I just started watching it like about a month ago. I watched the first season. And there hasn't been any Eagles references. I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned my love of TV musical episodes before. Scrubs is the greatest musical episode of all time. Which season is that in then? Six. Okay. I haven't made it all the way to season six of Scrubs. Can I be forgiven for that? No. It was only like 2001. I know it's barely made it to 2001 in Canada, but still. And last Canadian season, thanks to Gino and Jesse's terrible bio, I did write a blog about biographical mistakes. I'm very tempted to add a um, a new one onto there, which is answering the hero question. Can you guess where this is going to go, Logan? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Elaborate, Michael. There is exactly one team who do not describe their someone they are related to as their hero. 
this season. It is either their wife, their mother, their father, or their boyfriend. There is no variety. Rita and Yvette, well, one of them says that Jesus is their hero. And then I think it's Frankie and Amy. I think one of them says um, says that someone not related to them is their hero. Everyone else says, oh yeah, someone I'm related to is my hero. I feel like Enrique Iglesias should be playing right now, right when we're talking about the hero question. Get some variety, people. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite pissy about this. Get some variety in your answers. Somebody should have put in, like, a really random celebrity as their hero. I don't know, maybe, like, Colin Mockery could have been their hero. <laughs> Canadian or icon, Colin Mockery. The European Union could be their hero. I don't know, Iceland. <laughs> yeah, Logan, don't care about football, so I did watch the match because it was on in uh, in the lounge when I was drinking last night. And you were drinking? I thought you don't drink alcohol at all. No, I was drinking soft drinks. Everyone else was drinking beer. Oh, that's your version of drinking. Okay. Yeah. Not not my version where I try to ask Survivor contestants at the Survivor finale party for a ride home. Dr- drinking and eating, eating crepes. Rock and roll lifestyle, mate. <laughs> What's this at the Paris airport? Because that sounds like something that would happen in Paris. Well, on... On big cruise ships like the one I was on, I was on Navigator of the Seas, on Royal Caribbean. They have, like, a massive buffet restaurant. And I'd already eaten my dinner and went up to the buffet restaurant to see if there was any nice cake. Because they've had some very nice cream cakes the past couple of nights. And they had a crepe station last night. So I thought... Crepe station? Yeah. They were making crepes for people. So I thought, I will have, have some crepes. Why not? So I was eating crepes and drinking Coke and watching England suck at football. And, yeah, the European Union I'm not getting into... <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, his hero is his wife. <sighs> boring. To be fair, the other eight teams did conspire for really boring answers, too. So it's not like we can single out Joe and Ashley for oh, it. Oh, no. The rest of them are going to get uh, me snoring at them as well. Don't worry about that. And who would be your hero, Michael? If you were to fill out that bio, who would be your hero? I would say someone really inappropriate. Just to get a laugh. Like who? Like, like I don't know, Bill Cosby? Would that be your hero? <laughs> no, that's a bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk about doing an off-season podcast. <laughs> we did talk about doing an off-season podcast of, um, of answering the Amazing Race Canada bio questions. And sadly, my holiday got in the way. So we might have to do that as a uh, as a mid-season podcast. I might put John Montgomery as my hero. <laughs> you pandery little shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Ashley wants to go to Italy, surprisingly, because her family isn't from there. Little Christopher shout out there. Oh, you're just pulling out all the stops today. <laughs> to be fair, when I read that bio on the day I went down to Birmingham, I did send Christopher a message saying, just to warn you, there will be a shout out to you in our preview podcast when I eventually get there. Because they are the only team to say Italy, and Italy immediately, when they ask that question, Italy immediately uh, reminds me of Tiffany and Krista. And to be fair, half of the cast of season 27, who all said, oh, we want to go to Italy because my family's from there. And Joel's biggest fear is the Amazing Race Canada staple of heights. Everyone said heights or snakes uh, this season. There was only one weird fear, and I think that was Anthony, who said feet. The anti-Tommy Lee. Given that I am looking currently at a picture of what happens in episode one of Amazing Race Canada, I don't know whether you've seen this picture. It's people hanging off a gondola in Jasper. 
This is not going to end well for everyone who said heights, and I'm giving a shout out to Emmett there as well because I know he said heights. Yeah, sir. Yeah, like half the cast said heights, so naturally that's got to be one of the first tasks on the season. Yeah, and he hates that she swears too much. Damn, pageant girls have filthy mouths. Imagine if Joel was partnered up with Elias and Max, because they said that swear they'd be the most censored team on screen. So just imagine just Joel having a race with those two. He would be, he'd be, be like, not, he, he would have to quit. He would have to quit from all that swearing. And we'd be laughing at him. <laughs> and that's just rude. And she is an actress slash motivational speaker and Miss Universe. And her favorite travel destination, which is completely different to the one in her bio, for some reason... She, her travel destination in her bio and her uh, racer file is Walt Disney World, which is the only copyrighted one. So she also promotes for Walt for uh, Disney World, too. She's a, she's a motivational speaker for them. Understandable, really. It's awesome. And did you notice her celebrity crushes as well? Oh, um, no. I took notes of, on some of them, but not hers. I think she might have been uh, going to the Alan Wu School of Puns. Because she listed two. She listed Army Hammer... And Chris Hemsworth. Who the hell is Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth is Thor, who wields a giant hammer. Oh! And Army Hammer is most famous for being 6'5", 220, and there's two of them in the social network. So Army Hammer and a guy who wields a hammer. Exactly. Well played, Ashley. That that one, that one went right by me. I just Whenever I see a name of a celebrity I didn't recognize, I would just make fun of the contestant for picking somebody I didn't even know, but the fact that that's the angle she went for is actually kind of amusing. So how do you see Joel and Ashley doing? I predicted sixth place for them. Father-daughter teams have a tendency to not do well on the Amazing Race. I don't think they'll get that far, honestly, either. I think she'll probably get them into trouble. Because there's only one reason they ever mention that someone is outspoken, and that is generally because somewhere in the season they will get themselves into trouble, whether that be a U-turn or someone not helping them. I would love to see if, like, Joel just ends up being the big personality of the team. I think it would be... It'd be hysterical if he if he gets into a flying fit of rage. Oh, and then I can do impressions of him. Joel impressions, yeah. I can't even recall if I've heard him speak yet, because it's been all the attention has been on Ashley. I hope that there is um, there's some good people to do impressions of, because Lord knows oh. I'm doing impressions of people on this podcast. Like so far, the only like clips have been really quick interviews with Devin Sultan Deeks for placement on eTalk or whatever the hell the interview thing is. The- when they're in the sequester hotel before the start of the race, and then they're the 20-second staged uh, Chevrolet clip, which nobody got cut off uh, during their clip this year, unlike uh, Susan and Charnji. One thing I do want to mention, now you've mentioned Devin Saltonbeek's um, replacement, the cast picture when it was released was of all them on the rooftop with John in the middle in the replacement next to him. Whereas I but. I've only ever seen that picture once, because every other version of that picture I've seen is without her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they've done that. Yeah, because they pretty much pretended that Devin Solendik didn't exist on TV or in press release photos. The only time you knew about Devin is with his extra behind-the-scenes clip of him performing one or two of the tasks and him having really nothing to add to the experience. With her, it seems like she's trying to... In- or not It's not her effort, but producers seem to be integrating her into the core part of the show for at least one photo anyway i don't know if she's just gonna disappear from that point forward so i'm gonna move on i know we said we were gonna do them in uh, in the order they're released but i don't want to talk what about what place do you say they would finish in i think they're gonna be fairly early i think they're probably like mm, be th- more specific 
I think first three boots are tenth through eighth. Okay. I think I think they'll get in trouble at, at some point. And I know I said we were going to do them in order of release, but you know I don't want to talk about the next team yet. So we're going to talk about the team I want to talk about, which is Stefan and Antoine, the father son team <laughs> from Quebec. Oh, I love them so much. I don't think they'll go very far, and I was really disappointed to see your um, your cast assessment say that they were going to be ninth place. They are maybe the best team of the season for me. Why is that? First things first, Stefan looks just like he could have come out of a Hammerox cast. He just has the look of a Hammerox <laughs> cast member. He looks like the sort. Of, he looks like the sort of person they would cast on Hammerox. In every single cast photo you see of Hammerox, everyone is unbelievably jolly. <laughs> it's just awesome. So he's the jolliest man to ever be on the Amazing Race Canada. Exactly. He he looks like a Hammerox cast member, and his bio reads like a Havarot's cast member. Secondly, any team from Quebec never, ever, 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 ever lets us down. Ever. We have Pierre and the Michels. We have Holly and Brett. We have the glorious Nicolas of Alain and Audrey. Alain and Audrey. And then don't get me started on Nick and Sabrina. You know what? That's a very good point. Quebec teams do have a really good track record in terms of entertainment value on the amazing race. I know everyone hates Quebec, but Quebec has never let us down this far. And I refuse to believe that Stefan and Antoine will be the first Quebec team to let us down. Thirdly, parent-child teams are always fucking crazy. <laughs> Do you know how many parent-child teams there are this season? I know! Like, <laughs> is it going to be just, it's, it's, it's all female teams and parent-child craziness? They're always mental! There is absolutely no parent-child team in recent Amazing Race history who has not been crazy in some capacity. At least one of them. Dave and Connor? Crazy. It was inappropriate for you to say that they were crazy, Michael. Inappropriate. He's too old to be called inappropriate to be called crazy, Michael. I was just reading Stefan and Antoine's bio and just going, You are my people. Come to me now. <laughs> because the thing that I highlighted and circled and starred and everything, the team they associate is Suki and Jinder. You are my people. They're shooting for the stars. The expectations they're setting up for themselves is really high if you're writing down Suki and Jinder. That's like the, that's the peak. That's the peak. Their bar is just infinitely high with me because they have said the right things. It is like they read what I asked on that blog and went, we can provide. So provide, please. Even though I think that you might let me down slightly, you it just reads like such a great bio. And... Even better, they are one of two teams where the uh, the younger one is the more mature one because Stefan is apparently really, really immature. Yeah, usually it's the yeah usually it's the child that uh, carries all the personality within the team. But in this scenario, yeah, it looks like Stefan's going to be the one who's really going to um, be the one out there, and Antoine will have to be the one to reel him in. Yeah, I suspect Antoine is just going to be sat in the corner, like I'm not with him. He's not my father. Without having even seen any of these people speak i've literally just read the written bios that is the impression i get of them and yeah antoine's pet peeve corroborates with that as well because he says that he's basically going to despair of his father which could be delicious yes by the end of the season antoine will be emancipated and for some reason his nickname is nerf nerf like the toy no like the french for nine for some reason which you made the mean joke of oh yeah that's what place they're gonna get <laughs> I told you I was going to take you up on something. I forgot. That was mean. You can say that about sure. any other team this season. Do not say that about my uh, my beloved Stefan and Antoine. They set me up for that one, though. They, like, they I, did. Yeah. I'm just guessing where these teams are going to finish. And if a team nicknames themselves nine, I'm going to guess they're going to finish in ninth place. And as we've proven before, 
you are very bad at guesswork when it comes to uh, anything other than first boots. It took a lot of analysis to figure out that Shala and Nabila would be the first ones out of season two. Oh, I remember our, our preview for them just going, there's not even any discussion, they're first boots. Wooden popsicle stick fear, a fear of wooden popsicle sticks. They had every curse going for them. A list of things they would not do. I will pull Antoine up on um, saying his parents are his hero. <sighs> Boring. But you know, everything else makes up for it. They're awesome. And I'll be so disappointed if tomorrow we are talking about them being the first boots. Yeah, no, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll be in tears. You'll be in tears. We already know where you think they're going to place. Nerf. Yes. Boo. What do you think? I think they're going to be a disappointing late boot, honestly. I, I think they will be... If we're going back to Canada 2, which we're not going to compare anything to Canada 3, because, you know, apart from Nick and Sabrina, everything sucks. And Brian and Cynthia. Um, Neil and Kristen. Neil and Kristen. Just want to point that out. Yeah. So apart from that wonderful section of Nick and Sabrina, Brian and Cynthia, and Neil and Kristen, I think they're going to be one of those disappointing late boots. Sort of the Suki and Jinder to Elaine and Audrey range. So sort okay. of fourth to fifth. Um... So, let's see, who shall we go for next? Let's go for Steph and Kristen, because I know you've had a little uh, correspondence with them on Twitter. Yes, they're the ones who have responded to me the most on Twitter so far. So they are a dating couple from Toronto, and they are both former varsity softball athletes who met years ago, but only got together when they both went on American scholarships in different cities, and they want to be the first all-female team to win the Amazing Race, Canada. Yes, and... It only took four seasons of the Amazing Race Canada to match the number of lesbian teams in 28 seasons of the US version. But lesbians are different, Logan. How could you not know these things? How can you compare them to skateboarding lesbians? <laughs> Softball lesbians versus skateboarding lesbians. Exactly. Let's le- compare and contrast. That'll be a, an essay in the ninth grade high school classroom. And their motto is, she's always right. Which makes me think, oh, they're not going to be on the Nick and Sabrina Bicker scale. That's got to be one of the best mottos ever. She's always right. And obviously, given their passing resemblance to Natalie and Megan, they most associate with them. And basically any female-female team who wants to win probably is going to associate with Natalie and Megan. As opposed to, yeah, like, they're not going to say, oh, we most associate with uh, Shao and Nabila and the twins from season one. <laughs> You've spoiled my comparison for later. There is one team I compare to the twins. <laughs> and Steph is a lawyer and Kristen is a sales account executive. Yeah, like they have these very, like, you know, you associate with them as softball, but they have highly intelligent jobs. Unless Steph is like the lawyer from Arrested Development, like Henry Winkler-esque, in which case maybe it's maybe being a lawyer isn't too too great of a title. Barry Zuckercon or blah blah blah. Well, if they if they if they travel to the East Coast this season, Steph will be familiar with maritime law. <laughs> and in another Arrested Development reference, Kristen is most scared of sharks, which of course Barry Zuckercon jump. <laughs> and Steph is most scared of snakes. And Kristen can't leave home without forgetting at least two things. Yet her strengths are attention to detail. Apparently, irony. And Steph is the only person to be above having a hero, which is better than a boring answer in my book. So congratulations, Steph and Kristen. You get a thumbs up purely for not giving me a bullshit answer to the hero question. No BS on upon Steph and Kristen's part. Gold sticky star for you. That's how they ran the race. No BS. And I believe you said in your blog that they finished second. Yes. But they will not be... I don't think they'll share the same personality as Natalie and Megan. 
I think they'd probably just put that answer down just to be like, just to say that they're going to be a strong all-female team. Well, yeah. I think they're going to be a lot more entertaining. I know we talked a lot last year about the comparisons that teams make, especially in Major Race Canada where they only had two seasons of comparisons to go on. And yet no one chose Suki and Jinder because they sucked. But it's getting a little bit wide, but every female-female team who is going to want to be a dominant force is going to say Natalie and Megan until there's a one to replace them. Or until there's one who wins. And I've not really thought about the placements, as you might have guessed from my stumbling over them. So I'll come back to where I think Steph and Kristen are going to fall. I'm not sure yet. Oh, leave us in suspense, you bastard. It's a cop-out answer. <laughs> a cop-out answer. You, Dane, and Amanda. Or in the uh, the Canadian version, a cop-out answer. Cop-out? So we will move on to another female-female team, which is Rita and Yvette, who are Congolese twins! I never thought that demographic would be represented on the Amazing Race Canada. It's funny because on the message boards... Per usual, everybody gets angry over every province and territory that isn't represented. So this season, only five provinces were represented, and the other five provinces and three territories were ignored. And there still hasn't been a team from Saskatchewan. So I find it hilarious that there's been no team from Saskatchewan, but now we have a pair of Congolese twins from Alberta. That has to piss off the folks in Saskatchewan. It could have been worse. We could have had a Big Brother Canada crossover of Zach and Ashley being from Saskatchewan. Oh, that would have been atrocious. I even had to think for a second who you were talking about. Big Brother, make it stop! (laughs) That's literally all anyone remembers Ashley for now. And then for Zach, um, the only memory of him is if you uh, put a a banner of uh, douche on screen, then, then everyone remembers Zach. No, I, th- I think the one memorable moment of Zach is Jordan Paha's face when he lost. <laughs> uh, so even in the CTV written bit, Rita and Yvette are described as both sassy and loud. <sighs> that should tell us all we need to know. And they have four sisters. A Congolese family with six sisters. I feel like that could be a sitcom. Sounds like a um, an ice cream brand, that. Six sisters? Yeah. Sorry, that was three twins, wasn't it? And sadly, twins have a terrible legacy on The Amazing Race. Like, legitimately awful. Even in the American version, too, I guess. Eh? No one's no one's done extremely well as the twin. I was going to say, this is where Logan wrecks his brain and tries to correct me on something. Derek and Drew made it to fourth? That's the best I can come up with. Yeah, twins really have not got a good legacy. And for some reason, they say that they describe themselves as uh, Brent and Sean, if they were another Amazing Race Canada team. And I would disagree. I don't really see the similarity between them and Brent and Sean, just in terms of personality through the bios and the quick one-minute video. There are two much better comparisons, both of whom we've already mentioned. Neither of them even mentioned vomit. I know. They don't even vomit during their e-talk interview. They should already, like, Sean was already vomiting in the hotel room when he was interviewed by Devin Saltendeek. Twice. He vomited twice during the interview. It was kind of, it was kind of disturbing. Reading and Yvette have kept everything in so far. Maybe they will vomit when they have to deal with the harpies from the social. Everyone's done that. That's just a rite of passage. <laughs> An Amazing Race Canada vomit bucket behind in the back of the social. <laughs> yeah, it's a guest book. In fact, weirdly, I was reading a book on holiday and the social got a shout out in it. There's a book called what? So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. And he was talking about doing a Canadian uh, book tour and how he went on the social in one of the chapters. So there you are. The Social is actually not that well-known outside Canada, but still. 
So yeah, there's two better comparisons that I would make. They are French-speaking and twins, so obviously they can say Pierre and the Michels. And I would have even taken a Trina and Tennille shout-out rather than Brent and John, as in female twins. Mm -hmm. I don't get the Brent and John comparison, because compare the sassy and loud to the hilarious, I think it was, that they described Brent and John as last year. And underdogs. And underdogs, yeah, they described them as underdogs, didn't they? And Rita is an account representative, and Yvette is a Service Canada agent. And Rita's favourite travel destination is New York. Kill me now. Oh yeah, you hate New York. Yeah, New York is horrible. But Yvette's is more confusing. Hers is North Carolina. North, she wrote down North Carolina? She wrote down North Carolina. What the hell is in North Carolina? Exactly. I think there's about 40 states anyone in the world would pick over North Carolina. It actually reminds me of a story from uh, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego Game Show. And right before when the final contestant uh, is about to do the final round challenge, he has to write down... Uh, well, a lot of them were boys that were on that show. It's an equal opportunities game show. Sorry, let me let me let me start that over because yeah, it makes me come off as a huge douchebag. Um, when the contestant makes it to the final round, they have to write down which state they want to go to on vacation, and they always wrote down like Kansas or Nebraska or Montana. And apparently, I read about this afterwards. Uh, I read this about a few years ago. But they weren't allowed to write down California, Florida, or New York, because that's where everybody would want to go. So the producers always made them write down some random state, and then if they won, then they can switch that up for a trip to Disneyland or Disney World or somewhere in New York. Well, yeah. Having been to all three, why on earth would anyone uh, pick anything other than New York State, California, or Florida? It doesn't make sense. Oh, you left out Nebraska. And Nebraska, yeah. And um, they both hate each other's stubbornness. They're going to get along just fine. I think they will be a fairly early boot. Yeah, I've got them in seventh. I mean, I said I couldn't quite figure them out, but I do sense a lot of meltdowns in their foreseeable future. I think they'll be quite fun in in the process of their meltdowns, but I don't think they'll last too long. Oh yeah, it'll be a train wreck that we're going to love to watch, but yeah, it's it's going to have a... There's there's a shelf life on it. I certainly don't see them making maybe the back half of the season. Unless all the non all four non-elimination legs in the season are all thrown at the beginning. Wouldn't that be hilarious if just the first four legs are all the non-eliminations? You mean Vietnam? Yeah, pretty much Paul and the Mason race Vietnam, yeah, where you just have non-elimination, non-elimination, non-elimination. <laughs> that is exactly what... I think it was Vietnam 5 started with. They had three non-eliminations and then the first elimination. And the team who got eliminated actually won one of the first three legs. That's how you choke on the amazing race. I think that was like season 2 because season 5 was just the all-star version they had down there. Where the previous winners ended up being runner-ups and the and the winners for the all-star version didn't even use their express pass. They got it on leg 1 and then they just returned it to the host at the end of like end of Leg 9, I think. It was Vietnam 4 I was talking about. Not 5. 5 was indeed the All-Stars. We were both wrong. Yeah. So, let's move on to maybe the most awkward team that we're going to have to talk about. Julian Lowell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm treading very carefully. <laughs> oh, the, there's one joke that we both independently made that we're both trying desperately not to make. <laughs> I know. Because I've already made, made that joke in the cast assessment blog and I barely got out of that one. But seriously though, in all seriousness, it's really neat that we're seeing a legally blind contestant compete on a version of the Amazing Race. Because there's all 
nobody knows exactly how it's going to go down. Yeah, this is the first one worldwide, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, uh, no other place in the world has cast somebody that's legally blind. And I guess Mike Bickerton, he recently did an interview with Wayne uh, about a week ago, and he said that there's about, he got about a dozen or so emails from people asking if legally blind people could apply. So apparently this, like, Lau, I think you pronounce it as Lau, Lau is not the only one who, uh, who was legally blind and applied for this season. Like, this isn't, it's, there could be other people in the future who uh, are in the same condition as him. It is quite neat that after 65 seasons of Amazing Race, I think it is worldwide, we are getting something new still. Mm-hmm. And other than softball lesbians. Other than softball lesbians, yeah. And I think it's quite telling that CCV haven't confirmed anything about this season. I've checked the press releases on multiple occasions in the past couple of weeks. They've said nothing about any twists this season. They, they don't even want us to uh, talk about the locations yet. All they've mentioned is Yellowknife, and that's it. They've not even confirmed where that gondola picture is from that I was talking about earlier. And I know it's from Jasper. Because you've been there. Yeah. <laughs> But, That's not a spoiler, you, you recognise yeah, it. Yeah, I recognise it, I've been there, and walked quite a lot around that national park. But, yeah, they've confirmed nothing. They've not even officially confirmed the number of countries. We both know the number of countries, because we followed the location reveals, but they've confirmed nothing, so they just want us to focus on this cast. Which could either be a really good or a really bad thing. It's really, yeah, let's, let's segue into that for a little bit, because... They they really took a unique direction with this cast. You have somebody that's legally blind, and we have five out of the ten teams are all female teams. There hasn't been any other season worldwide that I can think of where fifty percent or more of the cast were all female. It's happened three like times. Closest, it's happened three times. Yeah, this is the third time worldwide that um, there's been five oh, female teams. Oh, well, what are the other two times? Um, I know for a fact that it was Philippines one, and there was another one. I will find out where you, while you talk. Philippines 1 definitely, definitely had 5. Okay, so other than Philippines 1, <laughs> this is the first, let me rephrase it, the first English-speaking season to have 50% or more as all-female teams. If you say, like, the Amazing Race in Norway, the Amazing Race in Norge 2 or something like that. In there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could actually say that. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. Just a completely unique direction, that sense, because I think the U.S. version, seasons 17 and 25, had four out of the 11 teams be all-female. So, and especially the relationships that we have this season, too, there's just, they didn't really go with what you would exactly expect. Because even within the all-female teams, they represent slightly different archetypes than what we see in the U.S. version. Like, there hasn't really been a Frankie and Amy in the U.S. version I don't, I, that I can think of. Like, not even Andy and Jenna were remotely close to being like them. Or, like, you know, Congolese twins. Maybe some people may make the jump to compare them to Natalie and Nadia, but I don't think that's really too fair of a comparison. Or, uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah, Kelly and Kate? Yep, Kelly and Kate. Yeah, there hasn't been anything anybody anybody like them in the U.S. version either, or Steph and Kristen. So you mean there hasn't been any softball lesbians in the U.S.? Well, even in the U.S. version, like the the two lesbian teams were Kate and Pat, who were around fifty to sixty years old. I think they were ten years apart, and they were uh two. They were ministers, and they were out like second boot because they were they were not in there to win the race. They basically were saved by Ari and Stella being stupid yes and not being good with animals and then you have uh, carol and brandy 
who were pretty much one of the most hated and disliked teams of all time. Who have a legacy of their own. Yes, being obs- they were obsessed with a 20-year-old Miss Teen USA alumni. That was their legacy. They just could not let go of her. But yeah, traditionally, we start the previews with talking about the stuff that has been revealed by the network. Whether that be twists, or countries, or anything. We know nothing officially. They are keeping us completely in the dark, for some reason. And my assumption is there's going to be some sort of twist. There's going to be a new route marker that they're introducing, probably from Hammer Arts, let's be honest, that's where most things come from. But there's obviously something they are not telling us. And my suspicion for the twist for Amazing Race US 29 was wrong, so I'm not going to speculate because I'll be wrong, but... They're obviously keeping something close to the chest. But I swear, and, if they do double express pass again, I will throw something at them. And, you know, if they're emphasizing Canadian locations again, Ugh. then they really have no choice but to put all their eggs into the basket, which that basket be in the cast itself. Do you think that this cast is a, a result of what happened in Season 3? No, that they're trying to seek, like, an all-female team to win. and well, Not just, just the all-female team. Just the entertaining teams. Because we had such a good cast to the point where we had to split our preview last year into two. We had such a good Mm -hmm. cast last year and all the stars went very early in a row, apart from Dana and Amanda, thank you, Newfoundland. Everyone we liked went early and we Mm -hmm. were left with the dregs of the cast, for want of a better term, and the worst people possible winning. It's true. Maybe they just wanted to make sure that they had a cast where everybody was going to be well-liked or at least provide a lot of entertainment value and not have any duds in the cast, I guess. Apart from one team, but we'll get to So where are we? <laughs> Julian Lowell. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they navigate the race. I will say he has a very good sense of humor from what I've seen already. Yeah, which is why I didn't feel too uncomfortable with making the couple of the jokes that I did. I mean, I know it's not meant to. It's not meant to be hurtful or anything. And I know it's it was done out of love, not not a not hatred or bullying. Yeah, I mean, his spirit animal is an owl, for goodness sake. <laughs> uh, so he is training for the Paralympics in both cycling and triathlon events. Damn. Yeah. So he's a, he's in shape. They're both really in shape. I know you've been um, working up to trying to do a triathlon, but damn! And he's doing proper cycling, he's doing road cycling as well, so it'll be like hundreds of miles. And their CTV written bits includes the word inspiring, which will shock no one. I hope that's not where the edit goes. Like, if it just turns into just Lowell being, yeah, into a Bethany Hamilton, most inspiring person ever, inspired a group of uh, inspired people, then I'm going to kill myself. And their motto is racing with heart, not sight. And obviously they most associate with Jodie and Corey. And her strengths include napping. So I... (laughs) I cannot wait for the double battle that involves napping. Yes, she will. She will win that. She will. She will defeat uh, Pylon and Natalie at napping, or Andre and Damon. Andre and Damon. She needs to face off against Andre and Damon in a napping contest. You can miss the most train stops. And she's the only person in a straight relationship whose crush is the same sex. Hers is Taylor Swift. Oh. Smiley. Taylor Swift. So no, Taylor Swift. Not... Smiley. Oh. Well, what's the difference? We we will get to their race of elves. For some reason, she wrote Taylor Swift and then put a, a little smiley next to it. <coughs> There's something in Lowell's race of elves that I will be uh, picking up on very soon. And her dream holiday is a complete cop-out because it's a round-the-world trip. 
Oh, so that even includes Sudbury. Especially Sudbury. She'll be spending three weeks of that trip in Sudbury. With G- only Gino and Jesse for company. Because they're literally the only people in the world who even care about Sudbury anymore. It's a log cabin on the lake. And her hero is, of course, Lowell. Kanye West should have been her hero. However, Lowell's answer is the most ridiculous one to this entire question. His celebrity crush is Julie that blonde from Amazing Race Canada 4. Celebrity? She is not a celebrity. This is not the early days of reality TV where you could uh, actually legitimately have a career in just being someone who's from reality TV. That's not how these things work. Yeah, what an egotistical answer. You guys aren't that big of a deal. We don't give a crap about any of you. It's such a cop-out answer. She's not a celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Just spend the next 20 minutes grilling them for that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told you I was going to give one team shit. I didn't say who. What what (laughs) the hell were you guys thinking with that answer? We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Then this? Then this? Maybe after all the trouble we caused with the 28 preview, I was going to go for the uh, really controversial answer of grilling Julian Lowell on that. (laughs) Spoilers, I'm not. There's one team coming who I'm going after. Michael, you're just picking on him because of his disability. That's all where this hatred is coming from. True. I mean, Britain has just devolved into people being racist and sexist and uh, disabledist and everything since Friday. That's why you guys left the EU. Oh, you just you just gonna you just gonna just blend in with everyone else. I swear, I've been watching CNN for the past four days. They're making you guys out to be the worst human beings on the planet. It's hilarious. I'll be all, all because you left the EU. They're portraying us like complete assholes. I think the I think the KKK are in higher standing than the British at the moment. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> we're doing a lot of tangents in Julian Lowell's bio here, aren't we? Um, so his... Yeah, we're not, we're not very well on, in focus with uh, Julian Lowell. The problem is, we've not spoken for like six weeks, so it's just it's going a bit tangenty again. Uh, so, his dream holiday is the Rio Paralympics, which, given that they are about six to eight weeks away, good luck with that. Yeah, especially with all the shootings and stuff that have been happening, all the violence, um, that, that sounds like that'll be a fun trip. Yeah. At least we've not got Zika anymore, because mosquitoes apparently die in winter. And Lowell's hero is his grandfather, which, this is the one exception, I will let it slide, because he was mentioned in the CTV preamble about being an inspiration to Lowell. Yeah, because he was legally, he had the same condition as him. Yeah, so I will let that slide. That is the one exception when you're allowed to put a family member as a hero. Don't just do it as a cop-out, because you can't think of someone, just say nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's your hero. You're your own hero. So, where did you put Julian Lowell? Fifth. I have high expectations of them. I think they'll be in the top half. Well, they're obviously very, um, very athletic. And obviously they've got a good sense of humor, so they'll probably get on well with people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they make it to top three, would be my prediction. Yes. Unless there's something that, with having a lack of sight that you don't think of that comes into play on The Amazing Race. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna be seeing some new things this season, because nobody knows exactly how that will play out. Yeah, if we get the if we get a switch back to Amazing Race Canada 2's biathlon roadblock, he's screwed. But or uh, or like uh, I was listening to Justin and Diana for a little bit, and they were talking about the paintings roadblock from the Netherlands in their season, where you have to spot the difference between the two pictures. He's not going to do that. Like they've shown the they've shown his condition and what he sees versus what we see. Like his vision is like ninety five percent gone by the looks of it. 
I hope that Canada producers don't do what they did to Luke in Amazing Race 14 and troll him with loads of sound. Yeah, like with Luke, with Luke, they put in so many musical tasks in season 14 that they never did in any other season. So hopefully they don't troll Blau the same way. So we will move on to the team that I know you've put in last, Anne and Tanya, who are best friends for more than 35 years, and they first met when they fought over tiaras as children. And their highs include marriage, kids, and living in New York City for some reason. And their lows include death, divorce, and financial hardship. It does not say who or what that relates to in any way, shape, or form. I really don't have too much to say about them, because their bio is talking about being moms and super moms and, ha- and, and raising children. We don't know how they're going to race. What confused me was that the team they most compared themselves to was Mickey and Pete. Mickey and Pete aren't exactly parental figures that come to mind. No, I mean, if they could have opened it up to international Amazing Race teams, they are Carla and Hedini. But, yeah, I can't actually think of an Amazing Race Canada team that they are like, just from reading their bios. Yeah, because, like, Susan Sharnjeet, like, they were, like, before the, before the season started, there was barely any mention of them being moms. Like, they were super fit CrossFit people that were freaking correctional officers in a prison. Anne and Tanya uh, do not exactly share those traits with Susan and Sharnjeet. No. They are basically mum in massive neon lights. Yes, and leather, and leather pants and zebra straight tops. And Anne is a coach and opera singer, whatever combination that is. Yes. And her favourite place to visit is Europe. That's a very general answer. Yeah, way too general. That's basically like saying Africa is a country, which we pulled people up for last year. But also not necessarily a comfortable place for British people to visit at the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see i hate that you preempted me with all the referendum jokes because you know i had that one waiting <laughs> yeah and tanya is the first person ever to mention in a bio that her strengths include great driving skills imagine if she was on season 27 she'd be so let down <laughs> we're not driving once no one will get to see my great driving skills but that is a massive like arrow on pointing towards it, making me think, hmm, maybe they screw up at driving. Maybe they wreck oh, the car. Oh, that's a hint, yes. They have a Brian and Greg accident, which is like a horrible thing to say now that I've said it. For anyone who has never listened to one of our previews before, we are quite good at spotting hidden clues in the bios. Great driving skills, that's the sort of clue that you look for, because it, it's very unlikely that we will see good driving from them, or from Tanya. It'd be funny if it's just like she stalls the car like five times and runs a red light, and I don't know, like, gets pulled over for speeding. Just pulls every, every, and then can't even, and then bumps into another car when trying the parallel park. Just making every accident, in, or making every mistake in the book. I mean, being a, a seasoned driver, you would know that. Yeah, the, you know, like, I, I drive all the time, as we all know. You know, I'm, I'm a licensed professional driver, and I have even driven uh, Mario Andretti around uh, when, uh, when his license was taken away. And he was impressed. With my driving skills. You've driven Mario Mario around. Yes, Mario Mario, uh, Luigi Mario, Yoshi, Bowser, um, Peach. Kid, yes, Peach, um, Daisy, Daisy, yes, um, Magic Koopa, Magic hey. Koopa, oh, he's a hilarious passenger. Um, <laughs> Who willingly communicates with Daisy? Ew. I don't know, but the eye in the back of her head kind of freaks me out. And I'm going to have to defer to your greater knowledge here. Who the hell is Hendrik Lundqvist? I... Uh, that was Tanya's celebrity crush, right? It was. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing a hockey player? 
<laughs> so you <laughs> so you actually genuinely don't know. I'm guessing with Hen it's such a Scandinavian name, so I presume it's a hockey player. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's like the, that's the only Scandinavian people that would be mentioned in Canada would be hockey players. For and God's maybe sake, like Logan. And maybe contestants on the world's strongest man. I read your blog and I thought, hmm, Logan obviously knows who he is. I don't have to research this. We do not have a research amnesty. Research these things, please. I'm pretty, I'm, I think I'll lock in that he's a hockey player. That's what I just assumed, like, Hendrik Lundqvist, that's the most Scandinavian name I've ever heard in my life. It's almost, it's right up there with Magnus Ver Magnuson. Now I'm actually going to have to look at this. You are very lucky. He's a professional ice hockey goaltender for the New York <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> you jammy little bastard. <laughs> I told you, if it's a Scandinavian name being mentioned by a Canadian, it's probably an ice hockey player. Oh, oh what a stupid sport that is. And, um, and Anne's sister is her hero. <sighs> You're gonna get in trouble one of these days. Like one of the one there's like one of the heroes that they mention is probably somebody who went through like an extreme hardship, and then you just come off as a cold-hearted bastard in the process. It's fine if they mention it somewhere else. Like in if the CTV bio says like it did for Lowell. Oh, his grandfather's his hero because he had the same condition. That's fine. That's the sort of thing where it is fine for you to say, oh yeah, my grandfather's my hero. Not just say, oh yeah, my sister's my hero or my kids are my heroes. What the hell? And we will end with the bit I know you've been waiting for me to mention. The reference to our favourite sound clip oh, of yeah. all time. Was it Tanya? It was Anne, who said she yeah. cannot leave home, just like many teams from Razor Race 28, without her face cream. Oh, yes, thank you. Oh my god, she actually said she could not leave the house without her face cream. <laughs> Insert Ashley style eye roll here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah their face cream i reckon is gonna take them to an early boot i can't if see they're, that. if Last they're time. if they're first out all they're gonna be known for on this podcast it's is face. for the face cream <laughs> it's like Kurt and brody all they're known for is not being a couple of bros having some face cream it's just the face cream now and me having a very dirty mind and some basic audacity skills and Anne and tanya have officially stopped listening to our podcast Oh, well. I don't think we'll be talking about them for very long anyway. Ooh. Burn. It'll burn more than the face cream. Oh, Logan. <laughs> so, we should move on, really, to Gillian and Emmett. Who? Never seen these people before. It's funny, people were actually were on the on the official page were asking who Emmett and Gillian were. So, they haven't really uh, taken advantage of being on the first major Canadian reality TV show. They haven't taken advantage of that and turned into some big fame. They've just been living quiet lives in quiet Nova Scotia. Yep. And appearing once a season on uh, Big Brother Canada. Yep. That's about it. Emmett did appear in the first week, was it? Uh, I think it was later on. It, it was definitely the first couple of weeks that he appeared in. For... Um... On Big Brother Canada 4, and in fact, this is the first time that she didn't uh, make an appearance on the sideshow. Yeah, so she's really moved on from her Big Brother Canada victory. Yep, and she is um, still a school teacher. He is still a farmer, milk farmer. And they, thank God they are builders' exes. I know I mentioned that parent-child teams are fucking crazy, but exes' teams are fucking crazy. I don't think they'll play as much as we think they will. Though. No, I, I suspect they will let the side down in terms of ex-bickering. 
But I'm so glad that they have billed as exes because X's always work out well. And Emmett even says, we both wanted to apply with other partners, which sounds like a complete mess already. Yes. And they knew deep down that they would have to partner up with each other. Do you think production made them align that way? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think so too. You can't just have a Big Brother crossover with one person because that's an Amazing Race US thing to do. And that does not go over well. As we learned with Allison. Exactly. You have to have both of them there to fight and uh, generally be a nuisance. But for anyone who didn't watch Big Brother Canada Season 1, well, she won because uh, she was a dominant force with him, and he came third. Yes, and she, well, she barely won because two Topaz <laughs> kind of screwed things up there, which everyone knows about at this point. She won because of the biggest mess in, Can- in Canadian reality TV history, and it was wonderful. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up, Arisa. Somebody is going to try and U-turn Emin and Jillian, with her, but if Topaz were on the race, she would have just accidentally U-turned somebody else. And they'd be like, wait, I didn't mean to U-turn them. Don't, this, don't do this to me, Monty. And that's the most Big Brother talk we're going to be having uh, for today, because I've not seen the first, two, first few episodes of uh, Big Brother 18 yet. Oh, yeah, you haven't seen those. Oh, it is, it is um, probably two of the worst contestants I think I've ever seen so far after the first week. I have seen some of your tweets, but I have not seen the episodes, and I kind of don't know the results. Keep your eye out for uh, Paul and Josiah for how not to play Big Brother at the start. <laughs> yeah, I saw, sadly, a slightly spoilery message that you put out a few days ago, but um, yeah, I've not seen any of the episodes yet, because obviously it started last week when I wasn't here. And... Jillian and Emmett have the complete correct motto, which is race like you're in last. Because on uh, Amazing Race Canada, that doesn't matter. I hope with them, because of because they're, I'm sure other teams are going to know who they are. And the fact that Emmett and Jillian just outright dominated the first season, where they were able to have a really good social game, and they won like half the comp. They pretty much alternated HOHs for the second half of the season. So with Emmett and Jillian, they need to not finish in first or really close to it for the first three or four rounds of the season. They do need to hold back a little bit and just make relationships with everybody else and let the other team start bickering with each other and create their own rivalries and have another team that's established as being strong. And then come the second half of the season, just really pour it on, you know, try and sweep every round just to show off and use the final U-turn that's available. And I think that should be, that will be a really good strategy for them make no mistake if they appear as big targets as they did on uh, big brother canada they will be u-turned very very quickly mm-hmm. especially if it's gonna get towards maybe a must vote u-turn because i'll be damn shocked if we don't see one of them fairly soon they are just oh, they're gonna be huge targets huge. but i think they have enough of a social game where I think because they're both hovering right around thirty, so they're right in the middle of the age group for this season. Where I think they could they could woo over the other teams and get along with them and have another team that ends up being a target or another team that's just so unpleasant for other teams to be around that that ends up being the team being U-turned. Yeah, if they appear dominant, they are screwed. Yes, they will need to be like. We all need to be like Gino and Jesse and just be make it to the U-turn board first each time. Otherwise, yeah, they're they're gonna be screwed. Yeah, but I think there's even like even if they get U-turn really early on, I think there's enough teams in this cast that they could probably still perform faster than. Yeah, because Emma and Jillian are both in really good physical shape, and they're both in what the types of challenges in Big Brother. A lot of it is mental, so they're I can't see too many tasks that would trip them up at all. 
I know you predicted that they would win the season. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly less bullish on them, and I wouldn't be devastated if they did. But I can't see an easy path for them. No, like I said, like their their victory is contingent upon them pulling off that strategy. If they just come off strong out of the gate, then yeah, I think I think they'll be they'll be out sooner rather than later. And also, when did an Xyz team last win? Uh, Derek and Danielle. Yeah. Eric and Danielle is the correct answer, because they are the only X team ever to win. There's been a long, long drought for X's teams, mainly because they usually butt heads quite a lot. And yeah, Jillian and Emmett are probably going to be in the top half of X's teams purely because they are both in great shape and were very dominant on Big Brother Canada. But if something trips them up, they're screwed. I'm just picturing Peter and Alec just being so pissed off that they weren't invited onto him, that they uh, weren't picked for Amazing Race Canada. Oh, does this mean we're going to get a, a Shield show for Amazing Race Canada? Actually, I think Andrew. Andrew was already previewing this season of Amazing Race Canada. He was mainly just talking about, I guess he has like his own YouTube radio show, and I remember it coming up in my YouTube suggested videos that he was talking about the cast for Amazing Race Canada, and I'm thinking, I guess Andrew's only talking about this because Jillian's in the cast. Well, yeah, that means they're going to get all the behind-the-scenes gossip. We're not. This sucks. Oh, well. I can live with that. And they both hate heights. Yeah, they'll get over it. Heights thing is such a such a generic uh, fear. Like, I even have a fear of heights, and I've already done, like, adventure. I just did an adventure ropes course for the first time uh, a couple days ago. I unintentionally went on the scariest roller coaster in Vegas. So, yeah, fierce thing is it's just so temporary. It's not like a drawn-out thing, like if you were to offer somebody a wooden popsicle stick. At least that they have to really suffer for several minutes. Um. So, yeah, they're heroes of both their fathers. <laughs> Boring. And Emmett's crush is a hybrid of Katy Perry and The Rock. Katy Rock? Yeah. Do you smell what the California girl is cooking? Can you smell the whipped cream that the, that the rock is cooking? <laughs> oh, that that's just a... At least it's not face cream, it's whipped cream. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm slightly less bullish on them than you are. I think they probably won't make the final three just because they're going to be a huge threat. Especially if someone knows who they are. So, Kelly and Kate are the next team. KKlicious? Are we going to accept their Nick team nickname? No. Rejected. I'm not going to lie, we're going to rush through the next two because there's one team I really want to talk about. Um, so yeah, Kelly and Kate, who are close friends and business partners from Toronto, and they are both uh, immigrants to Canada at the age of 11, and grew up in strict Chinese households and had to convince their parents to allow them to start their own businesses. Considering they were born in China, they could have done this Amazing Race Canada, and then they can apply for Amazing Race Asia 5 in the fall. Yeah. Because they would technically qualify for both of these seasons. And that would be a really weird crossover. They could attempt to do a Kent and Vixen. Yes. I don't think Kent and Vixen were originally born in Asia, though. No, but they tried, didn't they? <laughs> they tried, yeah. Kelly and Kate, though, they could, they, uh, they, they can actually apply and have a shot at it, which would be hilarious. And uh, Kelly and Kate have the Charlotte and Nabila Award for Ridiculous Fears. Uh, Kelly is most afraid of ghosts and haunted houses. And Kate is most afraid of fish, birdie animals, and heights. Yes. Very oh, specific. Oh, I can't wait for the, bird, for the birdcage task. Or if she had to do the fish task from India last season, she's going to be freaking out. Freaking out. She's Canadian. Freaking out. 
Yes, and and just imagine, there's no way that she could live she could live in Newfoundland or any of the maritime provinces because well, I mean, there's not as much fish as there used to be, considering it's actually uh, qualified as uh, over an overfishing uh, region of the world now. But she would not do well in Atlantic Canada in general, and it feels like all of the East Coast is haunted. Let's be honest. And they most associate with no one, because they're unique. And there's always one team every season who say that, and honey, you're not. Honey, you're not unique. Sass. <laughs> I was challenging my Rita and a pet sass. How did I do? <laughs> I'm proud of you. Uh, but seriously, yeah, like, uh, they're the first Asian-Canadian team on the Amazing Race Canada, and surprisingly, they're not from Richmond. Yeah, I'm... I don't see much of a future for them, I'm sorry. I don't know. I see some comparison to, like, rebelling against the traditional uh, household values in the same way that Michelle and Claire did in Amazing Race Asia 4, and Michelle and Claire made it all the way to the end. So that's why I'm shooting up my expectations a bit higher for Kelly and Kate and are putting them in fourth place. However, Amazing Race Canada does have more physical tasks than almost any other version out there. So I could see with with just their stature in general, that they're going to struggle at tasks a bit more than a lot of the other teams that are in this season. However, with the fitness background, I think they should be able to handle it. Yeah, Logan, what is it they do as a job? Two words, fitness entrepreneurs. They are body break. Yes, they are Asian body break. They are the new get fit and fuck up team. Yes, uh, if uh, Kelly and Kate drop an F-bomb on a random team that U-turns them, they will get the body break label. They will They will surpass Hal and Joanne. They are Asian body break from now on. Oh, I'm going to edit that in my post. So, their heroes are their mother and their boyfriend, respectively. Boring. So you have them at fourth place, and uh, I'm going to go for about sixth. I don't think they'll make it into the top five. Okay, but we have them in the some same general area. Yeah. I, I think that their fitness background will take them so far, but they will probably get to the Helen Joanne Memorial sixth position. So Frankie and Amy are our penultimate team, and they are our mother and daughter from British Columbia. Are they from near you? Aldergrove. Is that near you? Oh, yeah. Like, I was born in Abbotsford, which practically borders Aldergrove. Like, they're, like when I had a Christmas concert in the second grade, we had it in Aldergrove. Like, bo- both towns are really, they're both the, right along the border to the, they, well, they're both border towns to the U.S. So they were born about 15 minutes or so from where I was born. And then, uh, and now I've moved up slightly up north to the Okanagan. So they live about four, they're about a four hour drive away from me. Yeah, I saw your conversation with Mark Carroll, you see. So uh, I sort of assumed that they were from somewhere near you. Mm-hmm. And they're very, they're a very BC type team. Like yeah, their they, whole story. They seem quite BC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From what I know of BC. So Frankie was kicked out of her home at 15 when she became pregnant with Amy. And just like Stefan and Antoine, the child is more mature. And they are both hairdressers and are stylists. Yeah, it's just weird because I just, like my ex and her mother, almost have that almost have that same story. So it's, it's just uh, kind of bizarre to see that be cast on The Amazing Race Canada. And then Amy's taste in, in uh, movies and David Bowie and stuff, and even celebrities in general, is almost identical to what my sister's favorites are. Like, it's kind of, it's really uncanny how similar this team is to people that are very close to me. Yeah, if, if people thought that Max and Elias were going to be Logan's favorite team ever, Frankie and Amy may surpass that just because Logan knows people like them. Mm-hmm. 
Although saying that I that you're like my ex may may bring a, a bit of a mixed reaction to it. <laughs> Depends if it was a uh, an amicable breakup or not. It's a long story. It could just have been a grown apart. We've got twelve episodes, Logan. We can get there. Um, yes, we're gonna break down Logan's previous romantic encounters. <laughs> given that our last podcast was about your uh, adventures in LA, we can get some deep shit going on if you want to. Yes. Logan details his relationship with his ex. <laughs> what a fun podcast. Please tune in. It will be our highest ratings ever. Get a Frankie and Amy episode on the go. <laughs> get a bit of therapy on there for you as well. Oh, oh my god. And they get one of those awful CTV words of spunky. Mm. Spunky is one of those terrible words that they use in the CTV bios that I hate. They're fire nice though. Hashtag Game of Thrones. Loud and annoying is basically what spunky means. Let's ignore the CTV bio though and hopefully that... Spunky was just a throwaway word because they went through all of the other typical adjectives that they use season to season. Like, I know some people out there, First Nations people, were offended that Joel and Ashley referred to themselves as hardworking. <laughs> Where people were like, oh my god, that's so racist. And then you look into it, it's like, oh, Joel and Ashley used that word to describe themselves. That wasn't just some CTV bio guy. It was like, oh yeah, First Nations team, hardworking, like... It wasn't as offensive as the as the casual fans thought it was. And Frankie seems to think that a mermaid is both an animal and real. Hey, they they could be real. They're I mean, they're kind of real. They're there's manatees. That's kind of a mermaid. Yeah. They're the inspiration for mermaids. And Frankie is afraid of small spaces, which we haven't really seen on Amazing Race Canada that much. Yeah, if only she got to go into the caves and catacombs like last season. Hashtag catacombs. Mm-hmm. Hashtag catacombs, yeah. And uh, Amy's strengths include being a good friend. That's a nice strength. It really comes in handy on the race when you're uh, competing in uh, curling against Nick and Matt. Man, it's really good that you're being a good friend right now, because this is helping us tremendously. And Frankie's nicknames include Frank the Tank. That is the best nickname ever. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think other teams had like Muzzer or just really weird nicknames or Anthony and Brandon's nick- Anthony's nickname, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh, but but yeah, with ranking Amy, at least with the Amy's uh, being a good friend, then any time that they're showing on screen, they can just play the Golden Girls theme. And uh, Amy is the only person to include uh, an actual hero in the form of David Bowie. She digs the eye patch. So where did you uh, put Frankie and Amy? Eighth, but I'm hoping it's much higher. The uh, the Nick and Sabrina memorial position. Yes. I'm not sure where to put them, because I think they're either going to go out really early or make a deep run. That's usually how it works in a 10-team uh, format, Michael. I think they might slip through the cracks. They could just about get to top five, I think. I'm going to tentatively put them at fifth. And our final team, and the team that I really... They're in the Gino and Jesse memorial position for a reason. Put it that way. Anthony and Brandon? Mm, Anthony and Brandon. Everyone hates them already. Everyone thinks is assuming the absolute worst. Or they think they're going to be the next Gino and Jesse. They think they're going to be the next Volda Mussolini's. Well, I am, I'm here to be optimistic. They will be better characters than the Volda Mussolini's. Do you remember my rant last year? Every single point for Gino and Jesse I could say about Anthony and Brandon. Their bio is boring as all hell. They seem like they're going to be like the casual fan favorite teams. One of them even looks like a Lego. Ben described Gino's face as looking like a melted Barbie doll last year. It's child toys. It's like weird flashbacks and deja vu and I hate it. Are you suffering from like shell shock right now? Has it been like you were in Nam or something? It's PTSD from my Gino and Jesse rant last year. 
It's going to be okay, Michael. Did, did Gino and Jesse refer to either of themselves as Booby Miles as their nickname, Motorboating Extraordinaire? No, they did not. No, but their nickname, which we are going to have to replace, is Vile. Bump and Grind. Ooh. So yeah, their friend, their best friends, even though they've known each other for less than a year. And um, they're bartenders. They also want to give away some of their money, which immediately makes me roll my eyes. Not the uh, nice gesture, but the fact that they mention this in the uh, the bio to try and get sympathy and win the casual fan favorite award. Yeah, I'm always split between when there's racers that just say that they're racing for somebody else and use that as their hook. That always that always makes me a bit uneasy because I don't know if they're just trying to work an angle or if they legitimately feel this way. And unfortunately, the only way to tell is to see it play out on screen. Yeah. I get the terrible sense that just like last season, they are going to be the Volder Mussolinis and ruin everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anthony is our third race of the season from the Congo. 15% of this cast hails from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. 15% more than people from the season that are from Saskatchewan. That is hilarious. And Anthony, I think Anthony was the only one out of the three who was, who was born in the in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Not to be confused with Republic of the Congo, which borders it to its left. I don't know, why are there two countries that just have that name? No idea. What happens if there is a racer from Republic of the Congo next season? Like, that's just going to confuse the viewer. So, um, Anthony has a phobia of feet, which is a travel nurse. He really should get over quite quickly. And his food of choice is anything his mum makes. Anthony probably would never watch a game of soccer then if he fears feet. Ugh. And he can't leave the house without showering, so good luck staying clean on the race. And Brandon doesn't like heights or spiders. And he's also a complete monster because he likes his steak medium rare. Ew. I've had this discussion with people in the past two weeks. Steak should not still be mooing. Bump and grind is one thing, but medium rare steak, oh man, that, you're just going to incur the wrath of Michael Armstone. <laughs> this is why I immediately knew that I was going to have to take them down a notch. Who has their steak medium rare? You're the worst. You are the like, worst. <laughs> you That alone makes you the next Gino and Jesse. I know Tyler and Corey took umbrage to me, uh, me calling Tyler the worst. Anthony and Brandon, you are the worst. You cannot have steak medium rare. It should not still be mooing. You know what? I'm a vegetarian, so I couldn't... Like, you're, you're already committing the crime when you're eating the steak. So it doesn't matter if it's medium rare or burnt to a crisp. Like, you know what? You're all monsters to me. <laughs> I, I know full well that I am completely... This is just white noise to you, given that you are a vegetarian. But anyone who eats meat will understand. Don't have it medium rare. That's horrid. I've had steak once. And I was like... I think I was 11 or 12. It was okay, I guess. That's my one steak story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool story, bro. Uh, I'm pretending I'm pretending to fit in. Like, I know what steak is, guys. I had it once 12 years ago. And um, Brandon also doesn't know the name of Kate Beckinsale. Who? His celebrity crush. I think he said something like the chick from um, Resident Evil Underworld or whatever it was. Mm. But he didn't know her name. Oh, yeah. Joel's crush was Gwen Stefani. He's like 50, and or 42, I think, and his crush was Gwen Stefani. I was very impressed by that. Maybe he just likes the voice. Yeah, maybe that's all he knows her from. Oh, if that's the case, then that just pisses me off, because <laughs> Gwen Stefani should be known for her no-doubt days. And, yeah, Booby Miles is how we're going to end it. <laughs> we should insert a motorboating sound effect right here. Logan, if you could source me a motorboating sound effect, you can have it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try and do one myself right now, but I'm just going to giggle the whole time, probably. Try it. <laughs> no, I, I can't. No, I'll, I'll 
next time, next time, whenever they come on screen and we talk about them, just I'll um, try to make the sound effect. Instead, you can have a Zoidberg sound effect. That's Richard Nixon. Enjoy the great taste of Charleston. <laughs> this podcast has just evolved into Nixon noises now. <laughs> this podcast ends with Richard Milhouse Nixon for a president who was impeached doing motorboat noises talking about Charleston Chew. Oh, my God. And then that's where we end it, right? That's all 10 teams? Yeah, that's all 10 teams. Where did you put Anthony and Brandon? I put them in third because I think they'll, they'll, they would crumble in a memory challenge in contrast to... Stefan Christen and Eminem and Jillian, who I predicted for top three. The the Ryan and Rob Bartender Memorial position. Yes. Yeah, I want them out 10th, I'm not going to lie. If they go out first, I will be a very happy bunny tomorrow. Time will tell. So, thank you very much for joining us on this very delayed, I'm sorry about it being so late, uh, preview podcast. You can join us every Wednesday to recap the episodes, and I promise that we will do them reasonably early on a Wednesday. Uh, if you've got any questions feel free to contact us on our facebook page rtv warriors on our twitter account at rtv warriors or on our own twitter pages mj hamster for me and log super quacky for logan bye hashtag richard nixon hashtag uh, face cream hashtag hashtag <laughs> i am not a crook <laughs> <laughs>